0: Frack, 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 there you go. Ha ha ha, ha. That's the F bomb for sci fi fans.
1: Okay, and this is the breathe in, giggle out portion of the show. Okay.
0: <laughs> if somebody pack a joke, you can get it going for an hour. Don't tell anyone, but this was definitely the most fun podcast that I've been on yet. I've been on a few. we're in conversation anyway josh liberty we're gonna have company
2: you're listening to the lasers dragons and keyboards podcast featuring interviews with your favorite speculative fiction authors we'll be discussing their books their fandoms and their writing processes so sit back and enjoy another exciting episode with your hosts aaron Demott, josh hart and liberty Spidel. Welcome back to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. I'm one of your co-hosts, Liberty Spidel, and in this episode, uh, we are interviewing Morgan Bossie, and she is the author of Tainted, a steampunk novel, which sounds fabulous, but in this particular part of um, the podcast, we are going to be discussing her writing process, and I think you will find that very interesting. Some of the things that she's had to Google are rather unique, and I think you will get a kick out of them. We really don't go down too many rabbit trails in this particular episode, which is a little surprising for us, Uh, but hey, we managed to stay on track, and uh, that's a little bit unusual. But I think you will find that Morgan's writing process is interesting, and uh, I think you'll probably gain some insights. I know I did. We will be doing a giveaway of Morgan's book. So be sure to hop on over to the website and be sure to uh, enter for Tainted. Uh, I think that's about it that we've got going on right now. Uh, but we are going to be moving to a twice a month schedule for both recording and for releasing our podcast. So you should be able to be looking for those more on every other Monday. Uh, I think that our this episode will be introducing our new schedule and this is mostly because it is very time-consuming for all of us involved uh to deal with the editing and the actual recording of the podcast uh it's not because we don't enjoy doing it we certainly do but it is very time-consuming and we're all busy parents and writers and we do want to be able to get our books out so without further ado here is the second part of our interview with morgan bussey Okay, oh, yeah. well, welcome back to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. We're here with Morgan El and she is discussing her writing process today with us.
0: All right, first of all, are you a plotter or a pantser?
3: I am a plotter. The thought of um, doing it fly by the seat of my pants scares me to death. There is no way I could do that. Mm-mm. I need to actually know the story and especially know how the story is going to end so I know what I'm doing. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Do you uh, use any particular method to uh, plot your way through?
3: Um, I kind of have my own method, and I'm going to be actually blogging about it here soon because I've had some people ask me about it. So the way I'm really – but the way I I come up with an idea years probably before I'm ever going to write the story. And so I create a file on my um, computer, and I start – as I come up with more ideas for this particular story, I pull them together into a file such as um, any settings I think of, any the characters as they start to develop, any scenes that I see happen in my head, and I'm like, that's so cool, I need to write that down because I want to put that in this book. Um, So by the time I'm ready to write the book, I've been brainstorming on this story for a couple years. And so uh, then I do what's called storyboarding. I get out a, I have a big cork board and a bunch of three by five cards and a bunch of pins, and I take the next week and I just, I just dream this story. I read through all the notes I've taken over the last couple years and I start putting the scenes on my corkboard in the order that I see the story flowing. Um, So, usually by the end of the week, I have a pretty good idea of what the entire story is going to be, how it starts, what are the big scenes, and how's the story going to end. And that's my map that I follow the rest of the way through writing the story.
2: However, that segues
1: nicely into our Nick.
3: Oh, go ahead.
0: Well,
1: um, oh. you just told us what your writing process looked like.
0: Nobody's
2: so <laughs> um Jumped ahead. I so. didn't mean to do
1: that. So Oh, no worries. So I'm I'm actually going to take the next question. Uh, mm. is there a oh, writing sure. software that you prefer?
3: Um I'm still a word person because I have my own system of how I put together scenes and chapters. I've used Scrivener and I own Scrivener. Um, but a lot of what I've already do in Word is similar to what I'd be doing in Scrivener. And since I'm starting to feel too old to change my ways right now, I stick with um, my Word system. Yeah.
2: Well, you got to do what works. Yeah.
0: All right. And where do you go to edit? you strictly through a publisher, through just self-editing, friends, some guy in the street corner, who only takes cash.
3: <laughs> um, The way my editing goes is that, you know, I write the story, I do my own edits, and then my publisher provides an editor that, um, and what I love about working with Enclave is that it's one of the biggest things that they will find for us is really good editors. And so I've had the privilege of working some really good, editors and learned a lot from them. And um, and then I also have some critique slash beta readers who help me fine tune the story as well. So, And then it just goes through a ton of edits anyway, um, the content edits and the um, proofreading and the grammar and everything. So it goes through a lot of edits before it's finally done. Josh?
1: <laughs> and- What uh, snacks or beverages are must-haves when you sit down to write?
3: Um, I usually have tea or coffee. Most of the time, tea. I drink a lot of tea. Um, I don't eat anything because if I ate while I wrote, I would be really big. (laughs) I'll sit there and I'll start, you know. You know, you're sitting here thinking, and I'll just keep going like this. And I'm like, oh, this is not good for me. So, drink tea instead, if I really need to chew on something, I keep gum around and I chew on gum, which is not good for my
0: job. But so, <laughs> you have a favorite. Going no, um, back to the answer, following back to your answer, who your favorite captain was. Should you prefer Rock to Gino? Uh,
3: if I really need a hit, I definitely will. If I could find out where whoever made those. I would do that.
0: (laughs)
1: All right.
0: You can probably get a recipe off the internet.
2: Probably.
3: (laughs) I should go look it up.
2: Do you have a favorite kind of tea? Um, I'm a tea drinker myself, so.
3: All sorts of tea. I could name all sorts. Right now I'm enjoying a green tea with a hint of lemon in it. Mm -hmm. I love all sorts of black teas. I just came back from Seattle, Washington. So if you ever make it to Pike's Market, they have a special, they have market-spiced tea which you only can get there and it's so good. It's like drinking a hot tamale black tea. It's really spicy and mm-hmm. um, I don't know how to describe it. Have
2: to there when I have to go to Seattle in two years, so I'll have to remember to go there.
3: They also have a great huckleberry black tea that I love. I love mm-hmm. Earl Grey and actually um, this name Stephen Gray from my book came from my love of Earl Grey tea.
0: So, ah, okay. <laughs> uh,
3: and then I like out sorts of herb teas. And I, if you were to look at my cupboard right now, I probably have eight to ten, 10 different boxes of teas. That sounds about like my tea cupboard, too. Yeah. I drink a lot of tea.
1: I've got like two. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of bare right now. My wife drinks a lot of tea. I think we only have like four.
2: Oh,
1: uh, yeah. I think I've so, got black tea and green tea. <laughs>
2: So Morgan, what is the weirdest thing you've ever had to Google ever?
3: Um, well, um, I'm trying you know, sometimes as a writer you Google things and you really hope that whoever's watching you knows you're a writer. You
0: know? And this, this possibly top the going downtown to look at the corpses in the window is what I want to know.
3: Yeah, that one or um the one time I had to write on how to make a bomb. And I wanted to find out, you know, in the <laughs> and make a bomb and I'm like oh man this is so bad <laughs> um, so some of the weirdest things um, I cause even though I, I grew up in Montana and I'm sure I could have asked a relative what snake tastes like cause a lot of my relatives eat all sorts of stuff um, but I've never personally eaten snake, so I researched what snake tastes like uh-huh. uh, what is the quickest way to kill a man I, I can tell you that now <laughs>
0: In a related note, Morgan will be driving to road Makers this year. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm on the no-fly zone. <laughs> Whatever <it is>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then um, Victorian cuss words. So, that was fun. <laughs>
0: that's
3: a, that's a, so they're in there, but you went not know. So,
0: hmm.
3: it's, I always find the evolution of mm-hmm. Cussing interesting, and it drives me nuts when I read books that have mod our modern cuss words in them, and I feel like the person didn't take the time to actually figure out where cuss words come from and what their worlds would actually be. So, mm. mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I'm reading uh, Raymond Chandler right now, and the swearing in it. I mean, there's a little bit of familiarity because it's only what 60 years old. Or, there's still stuff in there that I'm going. Really? That's a swear word? Oh yeah. Some <laughs> of the
3: yeah. Um some of the stuff that we use now was not a swear word then, and then some of the stuff that was totally a swear word then, you'd be like, What? You know?
0: Mm-hmm. And then
3: also, um, I love it when like in fantasies or science fiction and stuff, when you build your world, what would a person use, you know? Yeah. Well, they're just lazy and put in our cuss words, I'm like what did they do? Travel yeah. to uh, 20th century America and listen to contractors and then go back? You know. <laughs>
0: yeah. One of my favorite examples of that is in Ann McCaffrey's Pern series, because the whole solarium is based around the culture of the thing, of the uh, world, and it really works for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who are some other authors who have influenced you?
3: Um, I would definitely say the powerhouses, J.R. Token and C.S. Lewis. Um, I always appreciated how both of them um, have their worldview in their stories, but in completely different ways. Um, mm-hmm. J.R. Tolkien is definitely more covert in his storytelling, mm-hmm. whereas C.S. Lewis is definitely more overt. But they both um, were masters at what they did with their stories and their worldviews. Um, also, one of the very first fantasy series that I read outside of them growing up was, um, Terry Brooks' Shannara series, his older stuff. I, I really loved his, the worlds he built and the, the concepts he had and stuff in his books. Um, so that was definitely another influence. I also loved his writing book. Um, and it's kind of hard to find, I think. It's called Sometimes the Magic Works Lessons from a Writing Life. And if you ever mm-hmm. get to read it, I I would say it's up there with Stephen King on writing. It's a really good writing slash biography by Terry Brooks. And then um, I would definitely say there's just a lot of authors I've met over the years at conferences or in person who, um, when I've met them, they're just approachable, humble, real people that don't have any airs or anything. And when I've met them, I'm like, I want to be like them. I want to be Approachable and I want to be humble and I want to help others as much as they've helped me. And so and there's just too many to name. But I look up to them and that's the kind of person I want to be as well.
0: Okay. Take four. Who you don't like?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you had to choose a single book as your favorite, what would it be?
3: Mm. I I couldn't. You would just have to, I don't know, put me on the rack. I couldn't. (laughs) I I don't have a single favorite. I have a, I have, um, usually if I'm going to read the book over and over again, it's on my bookshelf. And I have a lot of classics that I would read. I read over and over again. Um, obviously Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, um, classics like Jane Eyre, Little Women, Anna Green Gables. Uh, Black Beauty, any of those, um, I just couldn't choose one. It really just depends on what day it is, if I'm feeling like fantasy that day. If you can't
0: choose, if you can't choose that one, then you can go to the Sunday school answer, the Bible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Morgan, when you're drafting, how long does it take you to write the first draft?
0: Um,
2: I am
3: really, I'm a really slow writer, but I'm also a meticulous writer when I write And so, um, and I think it helps that I'm a plotter so that I know where I'm going with the story. And as a mother of four children, I only have an X amount of time I have to write every day. And Mm -hmm. so I have to make the most of that time. And so, um, at this point I write about a thousand words a day, four days a week, and it takes me anywhere from six to eight, even 10 months, depending on how long the book is to write the rough draft of the book.
0: Oh, the wow. next thing is, is that
3: usually by the time I'm done writing it, it's the story. It, um I don't do a lot of, um, I don't do a lot of rewrites. The story is there. Usually, all it needs is uh, more tie-ins, deepening, maybe some more description, uh, making sure that I get the emotions right in the scenes. But the full story is there. So I, I read about people who rewrite the story five times, and I'm like, I couldn't do that. But they're also, <laughs> the, they're also the people that write their story within one month.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And I couldn't do that either. I just I get tired <laughs> at the end of the day. It's like my little cup of creativity is all drained, and I need to fill mm-hmm. this day. <laughs> I'm going to try to do the 10k one day, but I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so I'm slow but meticulous. Hard.
2: <laughs> yeah, doing 10k in a day is very hard. It takes a lot of hours. I I <laughs> had a lot of
0: tea. I was, I was, I was, yeah. I love when somebody says, well, "I'm such a slow reader, and they turn out to write like you know, six to ten times faster than I do. Like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> guess I'm I a mean, slug pace, I guess.
1: I know one of our realmies knocked out during uh, Nano this last year, like six or seven ten k days, um, and I, I I looked at that and it's like, okay, you have fun with that. <laughs>
3: Like even if I wanted to, I couldn't. I've got kids and a husband and in a church.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, uh, I'd have to go deep into the woods where no one could find me, and you know, right.
2: I think that is the writing mother's lament. <laughs> <laughs> There's never enough time for the kids and writing. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right, and everybody's least favorite question: What do your marketing practices look like?
3: Um well I think the biggest thing with marketing is um you have to let people know that your book's out there. And um a lot of, a lot of the research shows that a person needs to see your book at least three or four times in different venues for them to even realize your book's out there and there's a few more steps before they they get interested and then they decide to maybe go on Amazon and really interested and then finally purchase it. So my goal has always been to what are the ways that I can make sure people know that my book is out there. And so most of my marketing happens within the months of the release. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the best time to get word out. Um, I do that by doing um, giveaways. I've never been hurt by giveaways. People that's the best way to get people interested in and in maybe even trying out your book is if they get the book for free, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that.
0: You've got um, at least one guaranteed reader though.
3: <laughs> um, I write a lot of guest posts so I can visit other people's reader circles, uh,
0: ah.
3: especially people outside of my sphere of influence. Um, mainly the Christian speculative readers try to grab some people who wouldn't normally read my type of stuff. Um, I do uh, good reads, giveaways, Facebook parties. Um, one thing though is now that I have a couple books out that helps me is that I have some amazing fans who share anything I share on Facebook or Twitter or on my my um website. And that has really helped out. I also noticed that as soon as I finished a series, writing a series, that the books picked up as well. And I know a lot of people will not start a series unless they know it's finished. So that that also helps mark me. Um in the end though, you gotta have a good book. You have to have something that resonates with people. Um not not everything you write are people gonna love. Um but you want to be able to at least resonate with some people, have the character in the story catch mm-hmm.
1: them. What's something that surprised you the most about being an author?
3: Um, how hard it is. When I first started writing 12 years ago, I thought people just wrote a story, someone published it for them, and then you got lots of royalty checks, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's the naivety that everyone thinks. And how hard it is. And then after my books were published How hard it is, or even how harder it is—it's just hard. Um, I think it was Stephen King says that unless you absolutely love doing this, get out of it. Don't don't write. Don't be a writer. There's another person that you know. They said, "What's the best advice you can give someone?" And they said, "Well, the second piece of advice I give people is you know go learn how to be a writer and do all that. The first piece of advice they give is um, go shoot yourself while you're still happy." (laughs) <laughs> no, um,
0: okay, then.
3: <laughs> so all of you that are wanting to be writers, don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> run away! Run away!
3: It's hard. You pour your heart and soul into a story and then it's one of the few professions where the entire world gets to critique you and it's hard and a lot of times you don't have a lot to show for it. That's why… Well, not,
0: nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs>
3: That's why early on, I had to find a different reason to write than just to make a living. Um, As I tell people, I write from my heart and my soul, and then I share that with the world. Some people don't like what I write, and that's fine. But I have quite a few people who have resonated with the heart that I've shared in my books, and that's when I know it's worth it. When I've had people say, um, like a young woman who said, I read about um, the Word and how it Helped Rowan, and this is from my fantasy series. And she said, "I was having a really hard day, and that helped me remember God was with me too." You know, stuff like that. I just had someone tell me with um, Tainted, one of my advanced readers, she wrote to me and she said, um, "I've been thinking about your book now a couple days after I finished it, and I really resonated with your female protagonist, and I think a lot of women are going to resonate with her issues and with the the stuff um, that she goes through." You know, obviously not all of us have problems when emotions get out of control, but um we have father daughter issues. We have um we think we're tainted, we think we're monsters in that we're beyond being accepted and loved. So
2: So I think you sort of covered it, but maybe um do you have one piece of advice that you'd want to share with an aspiring author besides go shoot yourself?
3: (laughs) Yeah, don't I mean I just tell that to other writers because they all laugh with me. Uh I have someone who Uh said that on their bucket list they want to write a book, and how do they do that? I was thinking that in my mind, but I didn't tell them that. What I do tell them um, is write. Just first of all, start writing. You know, a, a world concert pianist does not become a pianist by just playing the piano sometimes. They work at it every day. They play. They go through their chords every day every day. And if you really want to be a writer, start writing. And you write, and you write, and you write. And as you get farther into your writing, then start learning about writing. You know, start learning about POV, start learning about um, character development, how to plot, a lot of that stuff. As you are still writing, because you're not really a writer if you're just reading about how to writing.
0: <laughs> you know?
3: Um, and I think the biggest thing is, um, I tell people is don't forget your family when you're a writer. I see this a lot where people sacrifice everything to become a writer and then they get to the they get to that place where they finally publish and, and they look back and there's no one with them anymore. You know, their kids are now grown up and moved on and they weren't there for their kids or their spouse is gone because they never took the time to invest into their marriage. And I tell people the writing will always be there. It will always be there. But your family won't be either. Your kids are going to grow up, or your spouse might not be there if you're not investing into your marriage. And those are the people you really need to have your back. And in order for them to have your back, you need to be taking care of them too. I don't know where I'd do if I didn't have my family, especially my husband. He's my biggest supporter, biggest encourager. Right now he has the kids locked down somewhere, so they're not making a lot of noise. <laughs> You know? So yeah. Right. Don't, don't go shoot yourself.
0: <laughs> Morgan has very practical yet not terribly encouraging advice for us. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, an awful lot of fun. Try not to shoot yourself every day. Thanks, Morgan. Anyway. What would you like to accomplish next? More than just a book. What's a long-term personal goal or your career is? Concerned?
3: Um. Well, I just went through the process of actually. I. I um. I have an agent now, and that was one of the things we talked about. Is what is one of my goals? What is? What do I want to see ten, fifteen, twenty years from now? And I already decided this a while ago. I just want to write one book a year. You know, um. Goals are things that you have control over. I have no control over becoming a New York Times bestseller you know, selling a million books or, um, I don't know, name that thing. I do have control of what I can do, and I, I want to write a book a year. That's my goal. And considering how many files I have on my computer right now stories, I am not going to run out of ideas anytime soon. In fact, I probably got at least five years' worth of stories still going, and I'll probably have more by the time those are done. So mm-hmm. I just want to write a book a year for the rest of my life if I can. That's yep. a pretty good goal. That's what I want to do. <laughs> Keep
1: uh, telling stories. And I think you answered this uh before, but uh where can our listeners go to learn more about you or your work?
3: Um the best place is um, my website. Again, it's my name www.morganlbussey.com. Um I also have a Facebook page where I share a lot of stuff also, um although Facebook's getting harder to share things on. I have a newsletter, so if you're only interested in just um, finding out when books come out or cover reveals or anything like that, feel free to sign up for my newsletter. Um, Also, just want to do a plug for anyone who's interested. The first book in my epic fantasy series, the book is Daughter of Light, and it is actually currently free on Kindle. And the book that we've been talking about, Tainted, is the first book in my steampunk series, and it is available for pre-order. It comes out in a couple weeks. Okay.
2: How long is the book? Uh, one on Kindle for
3: free um, until my publisher changes it. So okay. I have
2: no idea <laughs> if it was just a KDP selecting for five days. I wanted to make sure. It's, uh,
3: oh but. no, nope, nope. Um. So yeah, it kind of took us by surprise. Um. Amazon has this thing that if they see it free other places, they'll make it free on Amazon. And my um, my publisher was trying something out. And Amazon discovered it was free somewhere else and decided to make it free, and we haven't changed it since then. I don't know when that'll happen or if it'll happen. Mm-hmm. So, Okay, well, great. All right.
1: Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast tonight, Morgan. It was a real treat to have you.
3: And thank you for inviting me. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun hanging out with you guys tonight.
2: Well, thank you, and good luck with uh, Tainted Through These. Thank you. This has been another episode of Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. Have a question or comment? Email us at lasersdragonskeyboards at gmail.com. Our music is Flight of the Beast, Loop 1, by Jonathan Gear. Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards is copyrighted under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. This means if you're not-for-profit and you want to quote us, please be sure that you cite us. If you are for-profit, please get our permission first. You can find us at lasersdragonsandkeyboards.wordpress.com for detailed show notes, as well as on facebook.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time.
1: So long, and thanks for all the fish.